are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Can you smell it, Dolphins fans? It's Friday, which means it's game plan install day here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and boy, oh boy, we get to talk about install on how to beat the Denver Broncos today. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season is different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, and we're off. And as I assembled a punch list of things that the Dolphins need to do to take care of their business in week 11 and beat the Denver Broncos, it, it feels pretty straightforward, and that's kind of the the mental test. I think this is more of a mental test than a physical test for the Dolphins playing a not very good Denver Broncos teams. Some interesting numbers as far as you know, offensively for the Broncos against this Dolphins defense. So we've talked about whether or not Drew Locke's going to play yesterday on the show with Cody Roark of Locked On Broncos. And Drew Locke practiced yesterday in a limited capacity. So we don't know. He's at least the door is open to him playing in this football game. But the Dolphins have the NFL's longest active streak for consecutive games in which they have forced a turnover from an opposing offense. NFL's longest streak, straight games, going back to 2019. Take that and compare it to this fact about the Denver Broncos offense in 2020. The Denver Broncos, one out of every five offensive possessions that the Denver Broncos have had this year, one in five has ended in a turnover. 20% of the Denver Broncos offensive possessions have resulted in a turnover. They are second in the NFL, 21 turnovers in nine games against one of the most opportunistic ball-hawking defenses in football. That should be pretty straightforward. So let's start on the defensive side of the football. How do the Dolphins beat the Broncos when the Broncos have the football? Point blank, period. Excuse my French, you blitz the shit out of them. You force Drew Locke or Brett Rippon or whoever it is to start to beat you in pressure situations when they have not done it, no matter who's been a quarterback for the Broncos, they have not had success beating the blitz and beating pressure and having success under duress with extra rushers in nine games thus far this season. And they're one of the NFL's sloppiest teams from a ball security standpoint. So you bring it. Bring the heat. Because you look at what Denver has from the skill players position, and they've got an impressive backfield with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman, three usable NFL backs with, with appealing qualities and different strengths. Noah Fant, who's questionable this week, uh, he's been banged up all year. Cortland Sutton is out. So you've got Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy with K.J. Hamler, two rookies at the wide receiver position. But I'm going to ask you this, and it's a dead, dead serious question. Does the Denver Broncos skill group scare you more than the Los Angeles Chargers? 
In my opinion, the answer is no. It should not. Do the Denver Broncos have a better quarterback than the Los Angeles Chargers? The answer is no, no matter who is taking snaps. Because for as small as the sample size is for Justin Herbert, the sample size for Drew Locke is equally as small. And he's worse. Brett Rippon was an undrafted quarterback who's a, probably going to be a 10-year backup in the NFL for a reason. So just from a matchups perspective, Miami has faced more dynamic quarterback play and better skill positions in each of the last two weeks. Arguably each of the last three weeks, going back to the Rams game. Then what the packages that the Denver Broncos can put on display. And the offensive line for the Denver Broncos, Garrett Bowles is playing good football this year. Juwan James opted out of the season. Believe they're onto their third, technically their third string right tackle with DeMar Dotson. They got a rookie center. From a matchups perspective, this is very straightforward. You should be able to do, if you were able to dictate at times the pace of play against the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, and you were able to dictate your terms of play to the Los Angeles Chargers, there is zero reason why you cannot continue to play the aggressive mentality, and they might hit you over the top. It happens from time to time. But to do it persistently again and again and to trust such a scattershot quarterback situation with getting you out of pressure reps and getting you away from what you want to bring to the table, Denver better do it for two quarters before Miami gets out of it. There's no reason to think Miami cannot blitz the hell out of these guys and rattle the cage. Speaking of... Garrett Bowles, who's having a nice season for the Broncos in a contract year. I do think the edge for Miami has to play stout, whether it's Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba, Kyle Van Noy, who was a limited participant in yesterday's practice, so we're trending in the right direction towards him playing. He obviously had the hip injury in the first half against the Chargers, came back and did play in the second half. Dude's tough as nails. Andrew Van Gagel, whoever it may be that's going to play on the edge. Those players have to play well because I think Miami can hold their own between the tackles, especially with Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, those two guys, plus whoever else you're throwing in there from a rotational perspective. Shaq Lawson, hand in the dirt. Emmanuel Agbus had some B-gap downs. Elaine and Roberts is a thud between the tackles. But Philip Lindsay has the opportunity to get out in the space a little bit, and that's where you have to be a little careful. Melvin Gordon hasn't had the season that Denver probably paid him for to this point in time. But he's still a talented back. So I think that is the difference. You know, we talked about the skill players for the Broncos versus the last month for Miami. I think the backfield is the area where Denver does have a little bit of spice to them, a little bit of substance. So Miami, you you got to turn those runs back into traffic. Do not play soft on the edge and give up the corner for a back to turn up field off tackle. I think if you do that, you're setting yourself up for a lot of success. And then obviously the last one, 
the last bullet point I have here is, is convert your turnover opportunities. We, we talked about how loose Denver is with the football. We talked about blitzing them and dictating terms. But really, your formula for victory is, is based off of converting your opportunities to get your hand on the football and create turnovers and create short fields. If you are able to do that, and you're able to do it early in the game where you can jump on top of Denver like the Dolphins have been able to jump on top of anybody and everybody that they've played during this winning streak early on, that's the winning formula. Bobby McCain may get one. Eric Rowe may get one if he's covering Noah Fant. Shoot, Byron Jones, maybe this is the week. I continue to believe he's going to get one this year. He had one against Arizona. Get your eyes back to the quarterback. So if you're playing cover three, have a little anticipation, play the sticks just like Xavier Howard did on the interception against Justin Herbert. That is the defensive formula for success in my eyes this week. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Offensively, what do the Dolphins need to do in this football game? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think the first thing the Dolphins need to do is continue the trend and uptick that we saw in RPO-type concepts and and throwing out of those loaded boxes. Uh, If you didn't see it, J.T. O'Sullivan of the QB School did a 10-minute video spotlighting some of the RPO concepts the Dolphins implemented against the Chargers in Week 10. And it was predictably awesome to hear an NFL quarterback, former NFL quarterback, talk through these concepts, talk about all the little things that go into the decision-making process. And he pointed out that Tua is still getting a feel for what he's being charged with doing this, this in this offense. And I think the more of that we get, the more identification of one-on-one opportunities on the outside, whether it's Jakeem Grant versus 10 yards of cushion, or it's Devontae Parker versus press coverage in the red zone, which those were the two big areas that we saw Miami come out cracking. They were in the high red zone, and they ran the glance slant, and they handed it off. They came back to it to start the second half, and the throw was not complete. But continuing to bring those wrinkles into the fray to whether it is safety count or box count, or just identifying a matchup that you like one-on-one and saying, yeah, I'm going to take it. Another week of chemistry between these two, continue to work on their routes and their timing. And remember, that was a really big component of this offensive challenge this offseason, was Chan Gailey's offense is centered almost entirely around timing. Well, Tua Tonga-Vailoa hasn't been afforded starter reps up until a month ago, to kind of get into timing. So this would be about the time where you would expect to see the timing and chemistry really start to show up, that they're starting to get on the same page as far as where you need to be, how I know you're going to get your eyes back to the ball, where on a back-shouldered ball I have to put it, where up high I need to put it. You know, Devontae, no, when you, when you go vertical, I can't let the I can't get too far outside the red line because even if you're going to put it there, I'm going to get squeezed. Red line is a proverbial line that runs parallel to the sideline that the quarterback tries to throw the ball to on vertical routes down the field. We saw flashes of it 
the third down where the snap was bad and he picks it up off the ground and still throws it out there in a one-on-one. The one-handed catch that should have been a touchdown. That chemistry is going to be there, but phasing in more RPO concepts, which we saw at a much higher rate than what we had in previous weeks, uh, I, I think is prominent, and it's something that the Dolphins would be wise to continue to pursue this week to give them multiple outs and avenues to adjust on the fly depending on what opposing defenses give them on any given week. Another thing that I think they should and would be wise to continue to do, Jakeem Grant. There's a lot of Jakeem Grant fans that listen to this show, and I will be the first to tell you that over the course of the summer, I'm apprehensive about marrying the Dolphins' long-term forecast at wide receiver to let's just give it to Jakeem Grant and not invest in the wide receiver position. Because Jakeem Grant has had some durability issues. He's like that exotic car, right? When everything's finely tuned and the the wheels are balanced, you can shred. But with the high-performance vehicles, just like a high-performance speed athlete, it's very easy for something to go awry. And when it does, it it really throws off your ability to, to even drive the thing. So... To make that comparison to Jakeem Grant, the the bumps and bruises that he's taken over the course of the past couple of years have been barricades for him uh, performing at a high level. Well, Jakeem Grant, we're, we're in week 11. He is fully healthy. We're only now starting to see him absorb a bigger role within the offense. And I thought this was interesting. I looked it up uh, from a workload perspective for Jakeem Grant. Uh, Jakeem Grant's career high in receptions was in 2018, week one against the Titans. He caught five passes. Six times in his career, he has caught four passes. And of those six games, half of them have come this year during the Dolphins' current five-game win streak. Starting to phase himself in. Each of the last two weeks, he's caught two balls. Tua Tagovailoa's accuracy seems to pair really well with a receiver who is so quick at the top of his stem and who is so explosive that corners are going to bail. They're going to get out of there at the line of scrimmage when he pushes you vertically. So not having Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's going to force Jakeem to test his catch radius with a ball that's not directly between the eyes or not directly between the numbers on his jersey versus Tua, who has that kind of accuracy potential, let's see what we got. You know, I think that the timing and the chemistry on the RPOs with Devontae Parker is important. But Jakeem Grant seems to be somebody who can fill the void and now's the time to test him and see how well he is able to handle this workload. And this becomes, you know, that quote-unquote tryout that we had uh, for Tua Tungavaloa. Consider this a tryout for Jakeem Grant. This is a 7, 8, 9, 10 game tryout for Jakeem Sell us on you being a long-term fixture at wide receiver and not just a really, really valuable depth player who plays special teams. The last bullet point I have offensively for the Dolphins is stay committed to the run. And I know you guys aren't going to like to hear that (laughs) because I read my Twitter timeline throughout the course of the second half against the Chargers. Oh my goodness, Chan Gailey, so conservative, da-da-da. Well, look at it this way. The Broncos have conceded 200-plus rushing yards in two of their last three football games. 
I don't expect Miami to get there. But between Savan Ahmed, potentially returning Matt Burita, against a bad run defense, the Dolphins should be able, especially if it's out of RPO looks, to get some favorable chunk gains on the ground. Savan Ahmed has tallied the most chunk gains consistently over the course of his phase of being the featured back in Miami this season. Run the football. Get yourself in third and four. And then you can, whether it's quick game, RPO, whether you want to take a shot, whether you want to bootleg, whether you want to draw, whether you want a straight run, all of that becomes on the table. So for Miami, it's going to result in some modest gains that are going to have Dolphins fans ready to kind of pull their hair out and say, gee whiz, let's cut it loose, man. Stay committed to the run. Because, again, Miami's formula is we are going to press you defensively and let you make the back-breaking plays. That has been the formula for success. And because we have seen the Broncos yield so much real estate on the ground this past month, Miami, attack that. And if you get to a certain juncture in the game and you're kind of stuck, okay, then we will pivot from there. And if we need to open up the offense because the scoring in the game dictates that that's necessary, then we can do that. But the Dolphins are perfectly comfortable in a dogfight because they trust their discipline, they trust their ability to generate turnovers and force mistakes. To close today's show, I would take a little bit of time. Going to create a forecast for this game, a game prediction. And I'm also going to bring a name to your radar from an NFL draft perspective that I think we, we definitely need to make ourselves aware of. He played football last night. His name is Zayvon Collins. He's a linebacker for Tulsa. He's 6'4", 260. And if you think about the quintessential Brian Flores football player, you'd have a strong foundation in all of the things that Zayvon Collins is able to do on the football field. He had a pick six in coverage last night in overtime to win the game. And uh, at 6'4", 260 pounds, he is an effective pass rusher. He's effective in coverage. He's effective in run fits. This is very much a hybrid Kyle Van Noy type of football player. And uh, you know, we, we obviously do a lot of scouting at the Draft Network for college prospects. And Collins has been a name that's come on late. I believe Dane Brugler of The Athletic was the first name to really kind of pick up on him and be like, yo, this dude's a stud. So obviously, you know, we we are evaluating and in the process of evaluating all the prospects from all over the country, and this name kind of comes up on our radar. So we have regions that are dictated, and then the, re- the scout responsible for that region takes a look and comes back and says, yo, yeah, they're no joke, this kid's the real deal. So I had a chance to watch a little bit of him myself. He's got 49 tackles, four sacks, six and a half tackles for loss, four interceptions, two defensive touchdowns, and two forced fumbles in six games this year for Tulsa. At 6'4", 260. Very plus athlete, very diverse. Put this name on your radar. 
that that would be an NFL draft prospect that, you know, on a Friday, I'm just going to put it out there for you. You guys can do with it what you will. I don't want to bog down too much in-season conversation on an NFL draft topic, but I do get a lot of questions about the NFL draft because of my background as the director of scouting at TDN. So they go on Fridays. I'll just bring, I'll bring a name, you know, for the time being. You know, we'll dedicate a few minutes to, to draft talk because obviously with the Dolphins' future 2021 NFL draft capital, it's going to be a very important window for them again to, to really strike while the iron's hot and drive this team to the next level. Zayvon Collins would probably require uh, the Texans' second-round pick or higher at this point in time based on the way he's playing thus far this season. Food for thought. My prediction for Week 11, I do think the Dolphins win this game. Uh, I do think they find the formula to heat up the Broncos quarterbacks, create some negative plays for a score prediction. I will go with 26 to 13 final score. So another, uh, another game that will probably be closer than Dolphins fans are comfortable with throughout the early portions of it. Miami, you know, maybe they jump on top of them early. But I don't expect this to be a route and a runaway, and, and the Raiders beat them last week 37-12. to 12, And unless they get four turnovers again, much like what they did against the Rams, uh, with, and the, the Broncos did that last week, gave the ball away four times, four interceptions from Drew Locke, uh, I would be surprised if it's that wide of a margin between the two teams just because the Dolphins really don't play that way. You know, if they find smothering defense, then yeah, you know, they're going to put up close to their season averaging points, I would anticipate, which is right around 27, 28 points per game. Uh, but I think this is a really favorable matchup for the Dolphins' defense, and therefore I will bet on them to give up less than their season average, which is right around 20 points per game. And that's my score prediction for this game. A Dolphins win to move to 7-3, and 26-13. Keep it locked in. Starting next week on Monday, post game, we will talk about all the fallout from Week 11 Dolphins versus Broncos. Hopefully, climbing to seven and three and into a tie with the Buffalo Bills in first place in the AFC East, so we can take on this five-game sprint between now and when we play Buffalo. If the Dolphins equal Dolphins win this weekend and they equal the Bills' record over the next five games, they win Week 17. They win the East. It's that simple for Miami. So lots to look forward to. Hit subscribe, follow along on the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. I'm Kyle Krabs, and I'll talk to you guys again on Monday.